Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi, I'm Mel, and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show. And this radio show is about the three-part narcissistic cycles, which is idolization, devalue and discard and it's the first time that I've ever written an article or done a radio show specifically about this and I know that it's really important that I do because this is one of those things about narcissists that leave people's heads spinning as much or probably more than any of the narcissist behaviours. And when I put this topic to my Facebook group many people wrote on the thread about what they wanted to know. And what was fascinating was even people who've been in this community for a long time and have worked through many wounds still had unanswered questions about this. And this part, this three-part cycle, idolization, devalue and discard, is very, very painful. How does one get over a betrayal by someone who seemed to love you like no other? How can you reconcile cruel acts inflicted on you by someone who takes no responsibility for their maliciousness and total lack of empathy and then adds insult to injury by projecting the blame onto you. Because you were initially idolised by this person, they won your heart. You thought you could trust them with your heart. What ends up being horrifying is the person who seems to be an advocate for your well-being ends up smashing it without any remorse to pieces. Then you are left feeling like you are dying and may never recover. While the narcissist seems totally fine and okay with the demise of the relationship, skipping off into the sunset. I want to delve into the three narcissistic cycles, idolization, devalue and discard deeply why they happen and how we end up in the deadly trap that may not just be one series of stages. It can be a vicious, ghastly and continual cycle that not only strips us of our life force but also dangerously addicts us into even more devastation. And this is a two-part series because there's a lot of information uh, on this topic. And in part two, I'm going to talk about how we can get ourselves out of the cycle and inoculate ourselves against ever getting trapped into one in the future. So what does idolization look like? Idolization is when the narcissist treats you like the newest, shiniest toy. And this is probably a really apt way to describe it because idolization is infatuation. 
It can look like love, but it's not love. It's obsession. Obsession is not an emotional extension of a stable, mature, loving person. Rather, it's a response from someone who does not have a whole and stable inner identity. Obsession is all about self-medication to avoid the ever-gnawing inner feelings of emptiness, aloneness and being defective or deficient. Narcissists need approval and lots of it. They need attention and lots of it. This is not a mature person showing up. It's an adult child presenting with unhealed inner wounds that have prevented the narcissist from having a secure sense of self, leaving him or her with only one option. Get that sense of self from the outside to continually feed a highly insecure ego that feels worthless and dead without attention. In an intimate partner sense, what better way to get that than a new love relationship where two people seem to be infatuated by each other? Because in such a phase, there are often the gasps of oohs and ahs about each other. How you, new lover, is so much more attractive, clever, nicer, decent, sexier, better in bed, more amazing, successful, connected, or whatever it is in comparison to the previous lovers before you. Narcissists are great at convincing themselves of anything that makes them feel high. It's magical childlike thinking, such as how amazing, attractive and special I am, or how amazing, attractive and special my new partner is. Codependents who get caught up with narcissists don't tend to apply the magical thinking to themselves. They are more likely to undervalue themselves, but they are certainly very capable of overvaluing, as narcissists do, their partners. Yes, narcissists generally choose people with the goodies for formal relationships. Looks, sexiness, money, deficient boundaries, which is aka known as kind natures and struggle to say no, which means easy extractions can take place, or whatever it is that bolsters the narcissist's ego and makes him or her appear more special, envied, prestigious or powerful to the world. These things to the narcissist are much more important than the person's soul, true nature and relationship compatibility. A narcissist generally likes what they like, which is their egoic satisfactions. It should be noted, sexually a narcissist can be notoriously reckless and not fussy, but in a relationship sense there will be an egoic payoff which the narcissist then boosts further by telling him or herself over and over how amazing this new source of supply is. The greater the narcissist believes the source of supply, the better the narcissist feels. And naturally, because the concept of the new partner is so magnified, it is not sustainable in any shape or form. It's a pedestal made of cards, which inevitably will topple when the wind starts to blow. For people who fall into this web of fantasy idolization, it's a heady, intox it's heady, it's intoxicating, and it provides highs that are soaring. Love bombing is the expression used for the idolization stage. And it's likely that you are granted gifts, trips, special thoughtful acts will be done for you. 
there'll be intense sex and there'll be talk about the future and the permanence of your relationship as if you both feel like you've known each other forever and the relationship will be forever. This puts people at ease and grants feelings of comfort and even relief that single life is eternally a thing of the past because finally I have found the true love of my life. The love bombing stage can last a few weeks, months or even more than a year in some cases. Not only do people report that they have found their soulmate, they also report that this person reveres them like no other. And they feel completely supported, understood, admired and loved in ways that no one else has ever granted. And what's more, the narcissist will profess to love every part of who you are, what you do and how you do it. And will usually want to join in and be a part of all of that. This is not a genuine expression of admiration. It's really more about the narcissist getting on board with a script in his or her head about how perfect and amazing you are. What I really, really believe is so thoroughly intoxicating about the idolization stage is that finally, usually for the first time, we feel like we've been able to fall into love and acceptance with ourselves. And this is what one Facebook member wrote. I look forward to it, the article, Melanie, especially about the idolizing stage. When I think back to the beginning, I feel like I fell in love with myself. Is this part of the idolizing stage? So what is so captivating about the idolization stage is we finally feel like who we are we finally feel that we do, we love who we are and we finally feel attractive regardless of those few extra pounds or those wrinkles. We feel so adored through the narcissist's proclamations of apparent unconditional love that we begin to feel worthy and valuable just as we are. We believe the quest of having to be different, better or prove ourselves in order for people to love us is over. We are getting from the narcissist all the feedback that we may have missed out on and craved desperately as children, which continued as a pattern for us as adults. We feel whole and in love with ourselves. But just like obsession is not real love, loving ourselves through the proclamations of another, instead of a genuine connection between us and our own inner identity, is not real. Unconditional love from another is not unconditional. It is in fact terrifyingly precarious if we have not as yet established unconditional love within ourselves. For two reasons. One, because people can only genuinely reflect back to us the level of love that we have for ourselves. So think about what I'm about to say. What this means is if we are reliant on it, then it isn't genuine because we were not whole to begin with. And two, the fact that we are reliant on it means that once it is removed, we will be hooked onto this person, trying to force them to provide it for us again. Little did we know that the idolization, obsession phase is a drug dealer, drug user setup of codependency. The narcissist needs your attention, which is any intense energy that allows the narcissist to know he or she exists also known as narcissistic supply. And you need the narcissist's love and approval to relieve you from the pain of not having yet anchored into yourself 
as your own source of love and approval. The identical idolization setup can happen if the narcissist has realized that the biggie for you is security. Maybe you are emotionally terrified about being able to cope and survive on your own. And the narcissist presents as a big, strong shoulders, capable and successful provider, generous carer and sharer, and dependable lifelong person that eases and soothes these inner terrors. That intense relief can feel as heady, intoxicating and needed as obsessional love. And when the narcissist who laid out the red carpet for you pulls it out from under you, you feel like you are reeling and may even die. That is what the next stage of the cycle, devaluation, is all about. As a result of the love bombing phase, you are open and trusting with the narcissist. And even if you don't realize it yet, your emotional life and well-being is in their hands. The devaluation cycle begins as an overlap in the idolization stage. But because you are starry-eyed, loved up and hooked, that ever so vague initial warning signs may go unnoticed until they get so big there is no missing them. Devaluation is known as red flags. And really what it means is that the narcissist's proclamations of valuing you like no other were not true. And the real evidence of the human value the narcissist really places on you comes forth. It may be actions or words. It's likely to be both. Let's have a look at the actions first. Actions such as having no concern whatsoever for you when you're in a potentially threatening situation. Being unavailable in times of sickness, need and distress. Or angered or playing tit for tat when you're in need. Things like ejaculation inside you without sexual protection or your permission. Or having a sexual condition, an STD, and not telling you about it. There are countless examples, but I think you get the point. The point being your well-being and self is not valued and revered at all. Your physical health or mortality may even be at risk. These are all big red flags. And after being so adored, we'll feel off and not right. And so they should, because people who have the ability to care for and respect others don't behave this way. However, because we are hooked on the person who loves us like no other, it is usual to make excuses and justification for the behaviour, or choose to sweep it under the rug, the very rug that is getting ripped out centimetre by centimetre from under you. What we don't realise until we start awakening is that the deadly game is not just one of deception by the narcissist, which every false self does by the very nature of being a false self. Just think crocodile and expect a crocodile to roll over, wag its tail and play fetch. It's never going to happen. Because there is another side to the tail. What we are doing is justifying the way the red flags and our huge internal GPS screaming at us, danger, danger. Because we are too hooked on the narcotic of getting love and approval or security and we don't want to risk losing it. The facts are by allowing such behaviour to be in our life while justifying the red flags away, we are devaluing ourselves in the trade-off for our drug. 
Now, naturally, devaluation doesn't just happen between a narcissist and a codependent lover. It can happen between any narcissist and their target, such as a narcissist and their child. To help you understand the nature of codependency, which means being a target, as an adult and as a child, I want to first of all explain the following. My definition of codependent is someone who is trying to source self from outside of self. In many ways, this is a complete match-up with a narcissist, except for these differences. The narcissist is taken over by a false self and ego that has annihilated the true self beyond resuscitation. Codependence can up-level from false self-wounding, which is ego defences, reinstate their true self and become whole. The narcissist, due to such levels of emotional and mental dysfunction, has become pathological malfunctioning and conscienceless in his or her quest for narcissistic supply. Codependents are only capable of acting out inhumanely under severe emotional survival stress, which the narcissist is emotionally undergoing constantly. When a narcissist acts out without consideration for others, he or she will not be capable of comprehending the misdeed or taking moral responsibility or being remorseful for the wrongdoing, unless, of course, they feign that. If the codependent acts out outside their normal functioning of integrity, he or she will tend towards being genuinely deeply disturbed and remorseful about their actions as soon as they are past the chemical unconsciousness of the survival stress. The reason I am allowing you a deeper understanding of codependency is to let you know codependents are not conscienceless people. They are simply people who are precarious to narcissists because they have not as yet been able to develop a solid enough sense of self to be impervious to them. This goes for any child targeted by a narcissistic family member because all children are dependent on outside sources to build, to program their inner being. As are wounded adult children also who had childhoods that didn't allow them to develop a solid sense of self, self-love, self-worth, self-approval and effective self-soothing. The narcissist plays on these gaps in the devaluation game by offering up all the idolization necessary to fill the gaps. This means you'll be hooked to the narcissist in unhealthy ways for the love, approval and or security that feels missing on the inside and then the narcissist will attack the very gaps that he or she has seemed to fill. Most narcissistic devaluation has good smatterings of idolization thrown in as well. And this is what is meant by rolling out the red carpet for you, getting you to stand on it, feeling like you're on top of the world, and then getting the rug ripped away, leaving you on the ground broken and devastated. As one Facebook member wrote, I would love to know the subtle process of the devaluing phase as I would like to put words to exactly how my father, a sociopath, actually did it. I saw what he did to my mother, but he idolized me at the same time as destroying any real self-worth. I'm just beginning to unravel the devaluing dressed in charm. The devaluing dressed in charm is not obvious. At first, the rug might just get a bit of a flick to start unbalancing you. As another fan. Facebook member wrote, I bet you have some insights into how the 
and devalues us in a clandestine way so that we feel blindsided, I would really appreciate your insight. I certainly hope I can explain this, the process of hook and hurt. And it's always around your biggest unconscious fears. This is how it goes. Give you or tell you what you want to hear in order to feel bonded to this person in an I need you in my life way and then be so attached that they can hurt you profoundly and control you by using your greatest fears against you. Devaluing happens through trauma bonding. If bonding didn't happen, you wouldn't hang around for the intense punishment. When you understand the phenomenon of trauma bonding, you can start to realize why hostages can feel like they've fallen in love with their captors. Because this captor has the power to relieve the terror of I'm going to die with, yes, you can live today. The fact that the captor caused the terror in the first place is irrelevant. When we feel powerless and another adult becomes our source of life force, for good and bad, we've unconsciously become a child bonded to a supposed all-supreme role model who we've handed our power over to and assigned as our parent. The phenomenon that is the spasmodic relief chemicals can attach an addictive. The relief is such a high that it feels like love. The narcissist has identified, targeted and attacked your gaps which is your greatest insecurities, and then appears to be the saviour of these gaping, bleeding wounds by providing the intense relief of giving you what you need to feel better. An example as an adult in an intimate relationship would be something like this. The narcissist is saying, you are pretty average in physique compared to most people your age. I think you would look younger if you worked out, which is a statement of devaluation. And then later, later saying, you have a totally hot body, I can't keep my hands off you, which is idolization. So somebody with body image issues would be very susceptible to these cycles of devaluation and idolization. Losing self-esteem with the devaluing messages and getting more and more dependent on the narcissist for the idolizing that momentarily provides relief from the poor self-image. What is clandestine about it to us is much more obviously not okay to people who didn't have the wounds gaps that the narcissist hooks and hurts us with. It's so important to understand that when we are regressing back emotionally into a childhood wound, we are unconscious. We are likely to put up with all sorts of behaviours because we're totally clueless as to what is really going on. This seems unfathomable unfathomable to other people as they stand watching, shaking their heads at us. The only reason that the abuse is obvious to them is because they are not wounded on that topic. But when we are, we ignore gut feelings because we don't as yet listen to or trust our inner being and the cognitive comprehension that we have on that topic is likely to be at the age level that the wound was generated at in the first place. We may literally be in an adult body showing up at the emotional age of a three-year-old who feels powerless to comprehend how we're being diminished or be able to pull away and look after ourselves. We are more likely to do what a three-year-old would do, take on feeling like we are wrong and to blame for what is happening to us. Now let's look at what happens in a hook and hurt scenario with a narcissistic parent and a child. 
An example would be the narcissist saying something like this. Mummy loves you. You are my favourite, special, beautiful child. Which is the idolisation, the overvaluing. And then threatening. You are such a bad child, I don't want to be your mother anymore. Which is the devaluing. It's important to understand that the narcissist is playing on gaps that are already there. As a child, these gaps were inherent. We hadn't yet developed a sense of self. And our gaps are likely to be replays of the insecurities and traumas and unconscious parenting of our earlier generations that have been passed on and played out by our parents as well as their parents. Epigenetics now proves that much of this our painful and traumatic self-identity programs were passed on to us through our DNA and we were born with these traumas, which were then amplified with the identical unconscious parenting, which then would continue to play out with others as adults. But does this mean that we're stuck with this trauma of being in repeat for the rest of our lives, such as being hooked into love figures, idolising and then devaluing us? Or is there a way out? One Facebook member wrote this, My N is enjoying his devaluing so much he'll never discard, unfortunately. Why am I still here? Melanie, in such weird setups, is there a way to escape from the dungeon? Or is it best to change my name to the Count of Monte Cristo and write a novel about 40 years of captivity? It is my deepest wish that this member and others who hear this radio show and read my blog on this Realize there is a way out. It takes effort, but it can be done. And I'm going to go into more specifics regarding how to in part number two next week. But first, let me explain the dynamic. This we need to understand. The child and wounded adult child being devalued by a narcissist have the same problem and not as yet developed inner identity. As a child, yes, we truly are powerless, but as adults, we certainly aren't. And the fact that the origin of the gap is in our body, regardless of who passed it on to us, and non-reliant of what, na what any narcissist is or isn't doing, is incredibly empowering, because we can take our power back by healing it and closing it. And when we do, there will be nothing to hook us, reel us in, diminish our self-esteem and render us helpless and dependent with any more because we are no longer needy for this thing that love approval or security from outside ourselves anymore we've become a source of these previous gaps to ourselves the words as well as the actions of the narcissist are significant devaluing weapons constructed to make you doubt yourself self-esteem confuse you and make you more dependent on the narcissist and less capable of standing up to or leaving the narcissist therefore not being able to pose as a threat to the narcissist's precarious emotional inner landscape there are many ways that the narcissist can verbally devalue in fact the very disease of narcissism provides devaluation as part of the course a precarious false self resting on a hairline trigger that could set off a narcissistic injury, a perceived attack to the ego, is always going to lash out and project the pain onto someone else. This is especially likely and in fact inevitable 
when the gloss of the overvaluing of you starts to wear out and real life emerges. It is also likely that you've started questioning, speaking up and trying to assert some rights of your own. The narcissist perceives this as a literal threat of annihilation to his highly, his or her highly insecure false self. As far as the narcissist is concerned, you are an all or nothing proposition. You either feed the false self adequately or you deserve punishment. Naturally, a trauma bonded and dependent target ensnared by a narcissist is highly susceptible to value to verbal devaluation, such as insults, gaslighting, threatening abandonment, verbal, verbally or physically, withholding information, affection or sex, demanding entitlement to information, affection or sex, projecting blame, accusations. And you'll see on my blog, for if you want a wider list of narcissistic behaviours, you can, uh, there's a link there to a previous article, Are You With a Narcissist? which gives you an extensive list of evaluation and what narcissists do. What is deeply important to understand is that the narcissist will tailor the abuse to your gaps. Different narcissists act out completely different ways to devalue with different people. One narcissist may throw other women in his partner's face because this is what her gap is about. I'm not good enough and other women will replace me. And yet the same narcissist may just disappear and be out of contact with another woman whose fear of abandonment programs run deep. He will not throw other women in this woman's face because she would never tolerate and would leave him. Instinctively he knows that that is not her gap to play with. Here is a powerful truth. We will never tolerate unwholesome and terrible behaviours in our life that we don't have unwholesome and terrible wounding on. And there lies our total key to getting out of the trauma cycles of being devalued. Heal the gaps that we're being devalued on. So let's have a look at the discard phase. The narcissist discards you when your usefulness has run out. There is only one purpose that you were ever in the narcissist's life for which was to provide attention. The energy that allows the narcissist to self-regulate his or her fragile and precarious false self. And if the attention you are providing or lack of it is not good enough quality for the narcissist anymore, or if you have threatened the false self in such a way that undermines the narcissist's fabricated image, he or she may seize all investment in you and begin the quest to secure another source of better grade narcissistic supply. Or maybe a better narcissistic supply option has presented and the narcissist suddenly removes him or herself to a mesh with the newest shiniest toy. If you have incited the narcissist's wrath, and many people do simply by trying to defend their own rights, the narcissist may discard you, turn you into the enemy and set out to tear your life apart piece by piece. The discard phase is the last part of the cycle, but it may not be the end of the relationship. The narcissist may not discard permanently. In fact, many often don't. And that depends largely on what the person who is discarded has running as painful insecurities. as gaps. If a narcissist discards you and knows that letting go and abandoning you hurts you intensely, 
then a narcissist may be very likely to stay away. He or she is getting the narcissistic supply, which is the satisfaction that this is really hurting you. A narcissist knowing that someone else is in severe emotional pain over them gains a great deal of significance. It goes like this. If I can affect someone powerfully emotionally, it confirms how special I am. What it is really doing is confirming to the narcissist that he or she exists. The narcissist is the walking empty soul that is not real and full. So temporary highs of feeling valid are greatly valued and sought. So especially if the narcissist is receiving feedback that you are severely affected by his or her departure, and you try to contact or make contact with others who know the narcissist, stalk or do the things that the narcissist knows about, he or she will love keeping it up to hear how hurt you are. And creepily, if you are just energetically, emotionally pining without creating any real evidence, then still at a subconscious level the narcissist feels it, remains fit and will keep doing whatever provides the feed which in this case is staying away. People ask me all the time, why is the, the narcissist not hoovering and staying away from me? This is the answer. And the very fact people are asking means they've not come to terms with it and are playing out their young wounds of feeling unlovable, not important, not valued and abandoned. They're still deep wounds from childhood. The narcissist in this case as an aid in your life, angel in disguise, in disguise as a narcissist, is smashing your greatest emotional wounds open so that finally the submerged subconscious can emerge, become conscious and, and be healed. And naturally this only happens when we stop trying to force the narcissist to be responsible for healing these wounds and instead break away from the narcissist, go inwards, self-partner, meet ourselves and heal them ourselves. And I'm going to talk about this more in part two. People that do heal these wounds are relieved after the self-work to be left alone by the narcissist and never want them in their life again. They have evolved beyond whatever wounds it was that was hooking them to the narcissist and the narcissist then becomes no longer their reality. That is what the Thriver model is all about. So it's important to understand that our lives dish up the pain until we learn what we need to learn from it. So why would a narcissist discard and then start the cycles of idolizing again? At a human level, we could think we were trying again. Or maybe he or she is coming to his or her senses. But what we experience in toxic relationships is the same issues and the issues intensifying in drama and frequency. What is really happening is two wounded children in adult bodies are trying to hold the other person responsible for their wounds. We may think the narcissist is the all-powerful in-charge person, an adult, hurting us, but the very opposite is true. The narcissist is never going to face his or her wounds and grow up, but we can. And when we do, we evolve ourselves beyond needing to play out these relationships anymore. When you are still hooked in by your wounds, you are susceptible. The narcissist knows you are available as narcissistic supply and can take up with you again. Because you became, because you became precarious supply, 
or the narcissist had already broken away from you, it is very likely that there are now other sources of supply on the scene. These may be momentarily low, or the narcissist, like any addict, is simply being greedy for supply, more is best. Or you may be being used as a tool to punish the current partner. If you've been discarded by a narcissistic parent or any other person, you may be recruited again for the agendas of doing some task for this person that they don't want to do themselves, or used to replace some other person who has walked away, or for some other unwholesome reason such as an ego feed to see if you can get drawn back in again. The cycle of violence and the cycles of idolisation devalue and discard go hand in hand. This is the parallel. Reunite, come back together, is one of the stages of the cycle of violence and it parallels with idolisation, which is the cycle of idolised devalue and discard. Then we have the next one, which is tension builds. That's the second part of the cycle of violence. Devalue is the cycle of idolization, devalue, discard. And then the third stage is the act of violence. That's the stage of the cycle of violence. And it's discard in idolized, devalue, discard cycles. They're an identical cycle. It's all a cycle of violence. And this cycle can repeat many times. And it is no compliment if it does, because it gets more dangerous and more frequent every time it does. This is not about being truly loved or the narcissist coming to their senses. And we get so empty and stripped of self that we may hang on for any crumb from the other person to try to make our terror anguish, emptiness and panic go away while the damage and the pain just gets worse and worse. Life has a way of turning up the volume trying to evict us out of situations that we are not learning our lessons from so that we can be alone and assimilate and heal those lessons. If we don't get it, the torture intensifies. So next week in part two, I will deeply investigate and share with you more about the three cycles and how that ties in with other sources of narcissistic supply, as well as the true reasons as to why the narcissist does what he or she does and how to heal from being caught up in the three cycles, as well as any questions that you have for me on the blog or Facebook that you want me to cover off next week. I'll address those. I'd love to incorporate them. So that's it from me until next week and I hope you've really enjoyed this and it's helped. So lots of love and bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.